Penn State football got a blowout win over FCS Villanova 38-17 on Saturday. Maybe you checked out during the fourth quarter because you'd already decided whether or not you were happy or angry about the way the Penn State starters played early in the game. That's why I'm here. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, the BWI Daily Edition. I'm also the film analyst for Blue White Illustrated. So I watched the whole fourth quarter. I broke down the film, and uh, I have the full film review over at Blue White Illustrated, uh, bwi.rivals.com. If you want to check that out, you got to be a premium member to see that particular content. It's worth it if you want to know what's wrong with the Penn State running game. Like some of the, some, like I, People were very angry about that after the game, so I took a long time during the film study to look at the running game and some of the facets outside of just the offensive line for what the problems were. Because, you know, there were some times where it was an FBS rushing attack running at an FCS offensive or defensive line. It wasn't all Villanova taking it to the Penn State offensive line. That was not necessarily, from what I saw, the story of the game. So if you want to get the full breakdown, bwi.rivals.com. And if you're not a member, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe. But outside of that stuff, who are the guys that if you're tuning in today, you want to know the young guys late in the game that played and played well, because that's what these non-conference games are about is finding out the depth, finding out the players that are playing well. That's what we're going to get into today. And this isn't in any particular order, but we're going to go with five guys that I thought stood out uh, as far as playing well and not just at the end of the game, some of them playing really meaningful snaps in the game. The first guy that I want to get to is Johnny Dixon because he's been fascinating, I think, as a football player. James Franklin has mentioned that they're never going to be a team that goes into the transfer portal and gets a lot of guys uh, and, and makes it a big part of their their uh, their recruiting process. It's more to fill needs. Johnny Dixon doesn't necessarily fit that mold as far as the Arnold Ebikidi or the Derek Tangelo guys that are coming in to start that filling an obvious hole. He has not played so far this season and is a guy that has several years left uh, in his eligibility, he's a guy that I thought Penn State might work into the uh, rotation earlier in the season. In fact, I asked James Franklin about, you know, has the start of the season kind of shortened your bench where you're not playing guys that you normally would? And Dixon was the guy that I had in mind as far as a guy that we haven't seen yet so far, but I was expecting to. He, he played in the Ball State game, but against Villanova, he played very well and he played early in the game, too. It wasn't just that Penn State was playing their starters till the third quarter and then they put in the backups. The key reserves that they want to get into the game, the guys that they want to rely on going forward, played with the starters, and Johnny Dixon was one of those guys. Five targets, two receptions, only two yards allowed with a pass breakup. Now, there was one play I thought maybe the guy got behind him, the receiver got behind him a little bit, but we saw some of that former high four-star corner speed where he made up that ground and uh, the ball was overthrown, no harm done. But I think he was very good in Penn State's very aggressive man coverage scheme. Now, we'll get into that a little bit. Something I talked about in the, uh, in the film review this week as well is that Penn State was playing a bit of a different un-Brent Pry-like system on Saturday because they could. So I don't know that everything is super translatable for Johnny Dixon because he was playing a lot of stuff that going forward, they're going to play a lot more man cover, or a lot more zone coverage. And, you know, I think he's been good so far in those situations. Ball State, there was more of that. But I don't, I don't know that what we saw of him on Saturday or some of the guys we're going to get to a little bit later. I don't know it's indicative of what they're going to be asked to do going forward. So some of this stuff doesn't translate 
perfectly, but I still think in those situations, you saw him produce, you saw him make plays, and I do think getting him those valuable reps with the starters, that's going to be something that Penn State's going to want going forward. He's going to play more as the season goes on. Uh, We haven't seen him too much in the first month of the season. I do expect that to change going forward. Now, we talked about the Penn State running game and some of the things that broke down in the film review. One guy we didn't talk about, but uh, I want to mention here because I thought he played pretty well, was Bryce Effner, the swing tackle guard tight end. He's played a lot of different positions so far this season. He's played in three straight games. Uh, since the since the Ball State game, he's played at least 10 snaps either at left guard. He played right tackle in this game to start the fourth quarter and the third quarter start the fourth quarter. I think he's seen a couple snaps either at right guard or at center maybe, but he's also been the, the sixth offensive lineman in the game, as you see here on the Tyler Warren quarterback keepers at the goal line, and he's performed well in all of those places. He's especially performed well I think at left guard when he's come in for Eric Wilson and he's been a reliable player, not necessarily just as a pass blocker. He's a little undersized at just over 300 pounds, which is always hilarious to say, but uh, he's not a big physical presence that some of the other offensive linemen are for Penn state football. And uh, he's more of a technical blocker. We get into some of this quickness versus power and what Penn state needs in the rushing attack uh, in the film review. But as far as his technique and his movement skills and his ability to execute blocks, he's a very fundamentally sound football player. He's able to execute most blocks and maybe he's not blowing people off the ball, but he's definitely not losing especially in those goal line packages. He has been moving people off the ball. You saw him kind of in the background there. He started on the other side of the frame, so he moved his guy well off the spot, got a decisive win, and opened up a hole for a touchdown. That's the second time he's done that in two games, so I really think that Bryce Effner is a a piece going forward that Penn State is going to utilize. Now, the question becomes, with Bryce Effner specifically, where and how? And I know a lot of Penn State football fans want anything to change about the offensive line to get more production out of the ground game. The question then becomes, yes, he's good in these limited snaps. Is he good in the snaps where he has to play? And so far, the Penn State offensive line has been doing a good job as a pass-blocking unit. There's been some rough parts, but they did a good job on Saturday, and they were able to keep Sean Clifford clean for the most part, and he was able to deliver the ball downfield. We haven't seen Bryce Effner in those true pass sets. We haven't seen him in situations where he's not coming in and kind of limited snaps. You can you can shine if you're a good football player and teams aren't prepared for you or you are just coming in and kind of Uh, in spots where it's advantageous for you to play. So that's going to be something going forward because I do think he's earning more snaps the more he plays. But what does that package look like? Does he split reps at a position, whether left guard or right tackle of somebody? Or does he continue to just be a positive influence as a part-time player? I don't really have the the inside information, the data to tell you what Penn State's going to do going forward. I just know that from my opinion, he needs to see the field more because if you want a guy that's going to execute Penn State schemes properly, Efner has shown that when he's on the field, he absolutely does that. So that's a good thing for Penn State football. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know long term about the offensive line, whether he's going to replace anybody. But more bodies up there, having another guy, a six offensive lineman, is absolutely critical for what they do 
on that side of the ball. The next guy coming up, and this is a guy who, again, has played a lot so far this season in all four games has been Keziah Izzard, but this was kind of a breakout performance for him. Izzard is a former defensive end in high school, moved to defensive tackle, so he's that classic three technique. He's one of these young, talented defensive linemen that Penn State has, rec has recruited at the defensive tackle position that they've been waiting to break out. He had a sack in the game. Of course, he had the penalty. He also had three stops, so he's very active against the run as well. Uh, and he's been getting better as the season has gone on. He was he had a, a bit of a rough time against Wisconsin. Power 5 offensive line to start your career. That's, except, that's understandable. But he played well, I thought, in the Auburn game. And then, of course, in this game, flashed with some big-time plays. Now, Penn State is looking for pass rush from any position possible at this point outside of Arnold Ebikidi. Is that something Izzard can do? He has the profile to do it. He's about 300 pounds. Really physical. You can see he's just a strong player. You watch him on film. He is really muscular. There's not a lot of wasted body uh, fat on him. He is a very lean, strong football player. So he fits the profile of that three technique who can come in and he can, he can penetrate, get in the backfield. He can make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. We don't really know anything uh, about what's going on with Akeem Beeman. That is a complete mystery. Uh, but it's good for Penn State football that one of those young defensive tackles seemingly has stepped up. And even if it was because of circumstances, uh, for whatever reason, he has been a reliable part of the rotation and he's starting to gain more and more snaps. Now, really, it's been Devon Ellis, PJ Mustafer and Derek Tangelo at defensive tackle. That's been really the three man rotation. They haven't had a fourth guy. If you can get some of those snaps out of Izzard, that is a really big thing for Penn State football. And like I said, they're looking for any kind of pass rush anywhere. I would expect him to be more active, I think, against the run necessarily than be a true pass rusher at this point. Some of those techniques playing on the inside, I think he's still learning that. And even on some of the, the, the sack that he had, it was a bootleg to the outside where he was just able to chase. He didn't necessarily have to defeat a block. He just won with quickness to the inside and then ran. So that's going to be something to see going forward is... He's also been playing snaps, like I said, in meaningful games, but also with the starters in this particular game. He was in in the first half. He was playing some uh, good run snaps, stringing the ball out wide, beating his defender, uh, his blocker with quickness. So that's all really great stuff from uh, Kaziah Izzard and a needed part of that very thin rotation up front for Penn State football at the defensive tackle position. Now, what happens with Akeem Beeman when he comes back? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Between the two, Izzard is the more physical player. He's got more size. He's got more of that traditional body type. And then we'll see what happens with Beeman because we did see last year Beeman was a valuable part bringing a similar skill set. If you had those two guys and they're providing similar output and you can you can rotate those two guys in, Pense would have a lot more depth and a lot more talent along that defensive line. So, you know, anything Beeman brings at this point is a positive because they have found, I think a good football player in Keziah Izzard, who is now in his fourth game making some significant steps. The other guy that I think is uh, Penn State fans have been waiting to see and has been missing for the first part of the season has been Keaton Ellis. What has his transition to the safety position been like? Because he played corner in the past. I don't think Penn State fans are necessarily curious about Ellis, the football player, because we know he's a good tackler. We know he's a good athlete. But how has he transitioned to safety? And like I said before, Penn State was running some 
like LSU level man coverage where everyone was in man coverage. They're being very aggressive because they were not really interested in stopping the deep ball with zone coverage. They didn't feel like they need to do that. So they were putting their safeties and their corners on islands and letting them make plays. And Keaton Ellis brings that skill set to the field safety position. You can see one catch for zero yards, great tackle coming downhill really well. The recognition is all there and it didn't look like Ellis was struggling with uh, his recognition in this game either. You know, sometimes you wonder if moving from corner to safety, there's more there's more of the mental aspect of the position where you've got to know where everyone is. You've got to know what your job is. You've got to make sure that you're keeping an eye on your corner so you can help them out. He was able to do all of that stuff, no busted coverages, and a really good performance against some of those underneath coverages. Now, how does he do? He played some some true deep free safety. You know, he, he was lined up in coverage, but was never really tested. So that's going to be the next question is Jair Brown is very much a, I think, a better zone corner. You saw him or zone safety. You saw him get some of those uh, popped up. Uh, interceptions. One of them was called back. I think that's a very good position for him. Don't know that he has necessarily a skill set as a walk over the slot and play in single coverage sort of player unless it's that off zone situation. Ellis does have those skills. So Penn State survived some really dicey situations in the secondary where they didn't have Keaton Ellis. Tyler Rudolph was suspended and Jaquan Brisker was not healthy. And they were able to get through two top 25 games, win and be dominant in the secondary. Now they're getting some depth and versatility and flexibility in Ellis and Dixon. Now we'll see what those guys are like in zone coverage and not so much singled up going forward. But I expect both of those players to play significant snaps going forward, and that's going to be a good thing for Penn State football to add to that strength and keep some of those reps off of Brown and Castro Fields and make sure that they have those guys fresh for the big moments late in the game. Now, there's one under-the-radar player that bit of a mixed bag I want to end with because there was some good, there was some bad, but I think it's important that he played and that he showed some of the things that he can do. And that would be Marquise Wilson. Uh, but uh, I want to bring this up because he had four targets, two catches, and he broke four tackles on two catches. That's, that's a lot. That is a lot for one player to be able to break those tackles. And you see why Penn State football has been adamant about getting him involved on the offensive side. First off, they don't really have a slot receiver and a slot receiver skill position player with the same body type or abilities as uh, as uh, Parker Washington. There's there's nobody really on the roster. So Marquise Wilson fills that role, and they need to get him some targets. They need to get him some reps. They need to make him a weapon. And he showed late in the game why they want to do that. He is super elusive. He's great with the ball in his hands after the catch. And the drop that he had, I want to point out that, yes, it was a drop, but first off, it was early in the game, so he was involved as a receiver before Taquan Roberson came in. And secondly, that play was schemed specifically for him. There was no other option. So Penn State drew up a designed screen down the field. So what it is is every other receiver in front of him is faking a route and then blocking, and then that's supposed to give Marquise Wilson the space and blocking to make a big play and to make people miss, which we saw 
how capable he is of doing that later in the game. So he's a critical piece for Penn State football, I think, in the long term as a depth player on offense. Now, at at corner, he's still getting some run there. You know, I, I don't think that there's as many opportunities for him on the defensive side of the ball because of the guys we've already talked about. But as a receiver, if he can kind of get his feet underneath him and make some of those instinctive plays once he's not thinking so much about catching the football or where he's supposed to be on the field, then Penn State is another dangerous receiving option outside of their top three, which is something they need. Penn State does not have a lot of depth right now at the receiver position, and the fact that they're getting Marquise Wilson involved intentionally with schemed-up plays I think is a big thing for Penn State football, and the fact that he was able to show some of the reason why that would be a good sign, but still a little bit of uh, a ways to go with Marquise Wilson at that receiver position. Um, still, some of the fundamental aspects of playing the position seem a little new to him. Um, not going to be a guy that can reach behind him and catch a ball yet because, you know, that ball was a little bit behind, but it was a drop. So we'll have to see how he plays going forward because, you know, I do think that if anything happens to Parker Washington, they they are have a problem at that position because I think he's the next guy up at that position. So he needs to make sure he's progressing more so as a receiver. Uh, don't forget, coming up today, we have the BWI live Monday recap show of Penn State Villanova, and we'll be looking ahead to the Indiana game. A I know Penn State fans are very much looking forward to that revenge game at Beaver Stadium, 7.30, another prime time start. We'll be talking about that on the BWI live show. If you're watching this after the BWI live show, of course, it's always posted on YouTube and, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That's going to do it for us today on the BWI Daily Edition. Make sure you subscribe and don't forget, like us wherever you get your podcasts.